Ladies and gents, um, it's truly a blessing to, to be given an opportunity to come out tonight and, uh, and, and bring the word. I remember when, when I was first hearing that uh, Mark and Jared were sitting at staff meeting, and I remember when they said, hey, you're going to be uh, preaching on April 1st. I was like, April Fool's Day, really, guys? Like, come on. Like, I'm still expecting Mark to like, jump out of like, some side spot and be like, gotcha, get off stage. I got this. But, uh, but since he's in Ecuador, I guess I'm safe. Um, and as you can tell, Jared, Jared is here. He's not tied up in the back. It's not like the interns and residents have taken the stage by force tonight, but rather uh, we go to a church that um, is so gracious, so gracious in, in training up and in, in welcoming in uh, men and women who, who just want to serve. And so it's, it's truly my honor. Uh, again, my name is Steve Leffler. Um, and I want to tell you just a few things about myself uh, so, that, so that it's fair. You get a little bit of back story on me. Uh, first of all, uh, I'm married to a beautiful young lady uh, with three kids. Um, and Jaden, Titus, and Scarlett. Jaden's five. Scarlett is three. And excuse me, Jaden is five. Titus is three. And Scarlett is 17 months. Uh, you, you'd think after... This amount of time, I'd have that straight, but um, a father of three, many things are jumbled most of the time. So, uh, number two, I am, uh, I'm finishing my master's in theological studies at Covenant Seminary. Um, previously, I was a, an associate pastor at a church in Bowling Green, Missouri, and what? Did I hear like a yep? <laughs> I paid him to say that. <laughs> yeah, we heard you there. <laughs> you, were, you were good. No. Um, so I came down here to go to seminary, uh, down to St. Louis. Uh, I've been in the Marine Corps, Marine officer for nine years and, uh, and it's, I've got some stories, but, um, I'll leave that for another time, maybe another illustration sometime. But, uh, the last thing I'll, I'll say about myself is I love stories. I truly love stories. And just because of, uh, living in the culture that we do, I, I love movies and I probably spend way too much time watching movies uh, more time than I probably should, and my wife would probably uh, agree with that. But one of my favorite things about uh, the last 10, 15, maybe 20 years is our culture's trend on telling the backstory. So we have characters that we grew up with, right? Characters that we love, and, and everybody seems to know one way or another. Um, but then in the last 10, 15, 20 years, we've begun to tell the backstory on these characters, to tell where they came from and, and maybe why they are the way that they are. So we're going to do a little thing. I'm going to put up a, a, a few uh, pictures from movies. They're going to be, the first slide is going to be the backstory character, the one that we might recognize, and then you tell me who it is, who they become. Okay, so first one is before they became the person that we typically know and understand that character to be. Uh, the second one is... Uh, actually them as we remember them. Okay, so first slide here. Batman, Batman right? Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne. Uh, iconic figure growing up, you know, Adam West and, and the old school Batman. And, uh, and then now we've, we've come back and we've told the, the initial story of how Bruce Wayne became Batman. What drove him to the decisions that he made to be the character that he is. Okay, so next one, of course you guessed it. Uh, that was me last Halloween. Um, those are my pecs. Anyway, moving. Next, next one. Next one. 
All right, who's this? Maybe a little tougher. The Wicked Witch. Very good. You guys are movie buffs. I like you already. Um, so the Wicked Witch, uh, telling in Oz, the great and powerful, we understand why the Wicked Witch became the Wicked Witch. And so we understand that story because of uh, her backstory. All right, last one. Anakin Skywalker, whether you loved it or hated it. Yeah, that's right. George Lucas did a backstory on, uh, on the Star Wars trilogy, now doing the prequels. And, uh, and now we understand a little bit more of why Darth Vader is the villain and maybe hero that he became. So very conflicted. I love conflicted characters. I love the, the full story of a character who is dynamic and not static. So static being, this is it. That's all you get. Um, and they've always been this way. They'll always be this way. Dynamic is the way that we see, the way that re- we really are. Even in your story, my story, right now, we are a product of who we've been, and we're not going to remain the same forever, right? Even though many of you guys might even want to remain as youthful as you are, you will grow older, you will change. Sorry to break that to you. Um, so in, in all of this, I want to begin to tell you another story. Now, Here's the disclaimer. I'm taking creative liberty on a character that we know from the Bible. The story that I'm about to tell you is simply maybe what I imagine might have been the backstory for this character. So it starts off with a man. And this man, some 2,000 years ago, um, he's maybe a simple fisherman. I don't know, a tradesman of some sort. And he falls in love and he marries And God blesses him with a child. And this child is the world to him. This child means that one day this this father is going to be able to pass on a trade. He's going to be able to teach his young son everything that he knows, everything that he's learned, the trade of the family. He's going to be able to teach him about God. He's going to be able to to walk with him, to, to grow him and grow in a relationship with his son. And so he, he loves it. He loves every minute of it from the time where he's a baby until maybe, maybe dad's out in the boat, right? Dad's casting the net out to get the fish. And, and as he's reeling it back in, I, in, my, in my head, I can see like, you know, five-year-old boy like pulling on the rope, not really pulling the fish, but dad's like, yeah, you got it. You're doing it, you know, and just that relationship of, of the father-son. And as the boy grows older, something happens. As a young man he begins to develop sores. He begins to develop, he has strange wounds that start appearing on him. And so his mother and his father, they do the best that they can to treat him. And they take care of him. But the father knows that something has to be done. So the father goes to the priest. And he presents his young son, this young man, to the priest. And he hears this declaration coming from Leviticus 13.45. It says, The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone and his dwelling shall be outside the camp. I, I pictured this this young son, hearing this from the priest, and the reality of, of disease has now 
begun to set in and he looks up at his father in fear and just not knowing what this means for him and not knowing and the father knows full well because he's seen it. He's seen the lepers outside of the camp. He knows full well what this will mean to his son and the, the just despair that overwhelms the father in this moment. And I can picture, maybe just imagine, as the days pass and the son is now separated outside from the father and the father is out in his boat casting out the net to hear the cry that he knows, the voice that he knows so well on the shoreline, walking around saying, unclean, unclean, saying, stay away. Stay away, I don't want to pass my uncleanliness. I don't want to pass my disease off to you. And I can imagine the rejection that that young man would feel being rejected from a community that he longs so much for acceptance by. Can we imagine this person for a second? Can we imagine this leper, not as a static character, but as a dynamic one, one who had dreams, who had a family, who had a backstory. Now again, I've, I've taken creative liberty. I've, I've just tried to put you into to maybe what it might have been like. I'm not saying that this was the way this leper came about. But he surely had dreams. He surely had a mother and father who loved him. And he surely was rejected and felt all the emotional pain that you could feel from that rejection. You see, the effects of leprosy upon the body are fourfold. One, it desensitizes. It desensitizes your skin and your nerves so that now when, when the leper goes and he, he touches something hot, he doesn't feel the pain of his flesh burning. When he scrapes his arm or his leg, he doesn't feel that scrape. The nerves are dying. And so those, those wounds go left sometimes untreated or unnoticed. So it desensitizes you. It disfigures the body. Because of that, your body becomes disfigured and you, you don't look like you were meant to look. It isolates the person. As we read in Leviticus, they have to, be, they have to live alone outside of the community, no longer in relationship with their friends and their family. And the fourth thing it does, it steals their identity. They're no longer the son. They're lo no longer known as the father's son or the boy next door. They're simply known as a leper. Can we imagine that just for a second? So here we pick up in Matthew 8, starting in verse 1. And Matthew says this, when when he, being Jesus, came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, this word right here, behold, okay, this is the movie scene, right? This is a movie scene where, where everything zooms into one specific event, one occurrence. So Matthew is drawing your attention in here and he's saying, listen to this. Look what's about to happen. This is important. So he says, behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. The leper comes and he kneels before them, 
before him. And this isn't just a simple kneeling. This is an act of worship. Some translations, and maybe it's in your margin of your Bible, but it's, it's worship. The leper is coming to Jesus, having heard, just finished hearing the Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew 7, it says this, And when Jesus finished these sayings, and the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, not like their scribes. This leper had to have been there and among the, maybe the outside, on marginalizing the crowd, hearing Jesus' teaching, knowing that Jesus has this authority, so coming and laying down, kneeling before him in worship and saying this, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. I see, I see three things from this. I see one, the perspective and relationship, right? By kneeling down, by calling him Lord, this isn't just a, a formality of saying, sir, this is submission. This is worship saying, Lord, you are up here. Your status is up here. I am down here. I am lowly and unworthy. But Lord, in perspective of a relationship, if you will, and in this we see he acknowledges Jesus' authority. He's saying all you have to do, it's up to you, Lord. You can do it. All you have to do is want to. You have the authority to do whatever. I know you can. All you have to do is, is say the words. And so he not only believes, not only puts himself in relationship to Jesus, as Jesus is Lord of his life and, and he is worshiping that, he also sees the authority in Jesus and he believes in the power of Jesus. You can make me clean. You can make me clean. What happens next? I, I can't imagine the scene. I, I, I really can't. I, I can't fully feel the weight of this moment because it says this, and Jesus stretched out his hand. Think about it. Jesus stretching out his hand to a leper. You see, in, the, in, in this time, unclean begets unclean. That means if you touch something unclean, you become unclean. So I imagine like as he's reaching out, almost, what's the, what's the disciples' reaction? What's the crowd's reaction? Is it the, <gasps> or is it the no? See, I, I kind of think like maybe if I'm there, if, I, if I'm there watching this, I think I'd react kind of like I would to my son or my daughter reaching up to, 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 to touch a hot stove. They're reaching up and you see what's about to happen and you can't get there quick enough and everything in your heart is just going, no, don't do that. As Jesus reaches out, he touches the man. Now, I, I don't see this as like the E.T. finger, the like light, light bulb finger, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, ouch. <laughs> That's not the E.T. finger. That's not what's happening. What I see here, I'm going to come down. I'm going to touch you down. Is that okay? You guys think you're safe. You're not. I can see you. I see it as this touch. This touch right here. This friendly. This loving. This compassionate. In other places in, the, in Scripture, we see that uh, Jesus had compassion upon the leper. Why? Why did Jesus need to touch him? He stretches out his hand and he touches him. Let me tell you why. 
because leprosy wasn't the only thing that that man had that needed healed. I remember when I was in officer candidate school um, some 10, 12 years ago. I remember going, and it's, it's a 10 to 12 week course depending on what, what course you're in. I remember the hardest thing about this, this officer candidate school, which is pretty much like boot camp for officers. I remember the toughest thing was, was not the yelling. It wasn't even the physical challenges. It was the emotional state where I went 10 to 12 weeks without feeling human touch, without feeling a compassionate touch. And I remember that the day I graduated, and as my mom and my dad came up, and just in the handshake that my dad gave me, and that just that affirming, like, for the last 10 to 12 weeks, you haven't really been treated as a person, you know? But you're my son. And in that touch, it means the world. And so I imagine that as the leper who hasn't been touched for I don't know how long, I can only guess, but surely sometime, never feeling the compassionate touch of anyone. And Jesus knew that. And so he reaches down and he touches the man. He didn't have to, right? Did Jesus have to touch him to heal him? My friends, if Jesus can say, Lazarus, come forth and raise a dead man to life, he doesn't need to teach someone to touch someone in order to heal them. All he had to do was say the words. But Jesus is seeking for a deeper restoration, for a deeper relationship. And here's, here's what I see. Jesus affirms it. He says, I will be clean. He reaches out his hand, he touches him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately, the leprosy was cleansed. Jesus' response to the leper is, is magnificent. It's not just the cleansing, but it's the compassionate, intimate reciprocation of relationship. You see, the leper came kneeling down, showing, I am unworthy, God. I am unworthy to, to ask this, but I know, Lord, if you can, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus responds, not just with saying it, but by touching him and saying, I will be clean. Jesus responds in relationship. And the relationship changes. He's no longer simply just the Lord. He is also the compassionate healer of the man's disease. Second thing is, Jesus affirms his authority. He says, he repeats the man. If you will, he says, I will. Jesus has the authority to heal. And finally, he has the power. So he affirms the relationship, he affirms his authority, and he affirms his power by saying, be clean. In this, what we see is Jesus has authority and power over sin. He has authority and power over disease. He has authority and power over death. My friends, when we come to Jesus in relationship, affirming his authority, affirming his power, he 
is faithful to heal us spiritually. He is able and faithful to restore us of sin. He demonstrates his power over sin. But he's not done yet. Jesus isn't finished. The next verse says this. And Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. It seems strange. It seems so strange to us sometimes. Jesus, why would you tell him to say nothing? That doesn't make sense. That doesn't, does that really bring you glory? Why would he do that? Well, we go back to Leviticus 14. In Leviticus 14, you have the law of of how a leper is restored back into community. At that moment, when Jesus touched him and said, I will be clean, leprosy is healed. He's done. He's healed. Finished. But at the same time, Jesus gives him further instruction Because he not only wants to restore him to himself, which he already has, he restores him physically, but now he wants to restore him to the community. And the way that that's done in this culture, in this context, is by going back to the priest. Go back to the priest. Take the gift, take the offering that Moses commanded, show it to the priest, take it to the priest for proof to who? Proof to who? Proof to everybody else? No. Proof to them. Proof to the priests. Because the very one who declared the man unclean is going to have the authority, the one to declare him clean. And it's only by way of going back to the source, to the one who says you are unclean, that he can be restored to the community as clean that he can be restored first to the one who declared him unclean to say no. The time of uncleanliness is over. You are healed. And the leper's story should go like this. Let me tell you how I got healed. I got healed because of this man whom I believe is the Christ. And he touched me and he made me clean and he has authority and power over disease, over sin, And he made me clean. That was the testimony this man was supposed to take back to the priests as proof to them, as evidence to Israel, as evidence to the authorities of that time. The testimony of what Jesus has done is the entry point for restoring community. Guys, this is my story. This is our story. Do you see it? Do you see that we're all lepers? Do we have this leprosy, this disease of sin in our lives that we need healed from? Can you see it? Can you put yourself in this story for a second and ask yourself, where do I fall in? 
you see the effects of sin in our life are fourfold. Just as leprosy is to the body, sin is to us. First of all, it desensitizes us to God, to his will, to his calling in our life. We're, we're simply desensitized. We don't know that we're doing it. We don't hear God's calling clearly. And so we don't listen. We can't listen. But my friends, through Jesus, we can. You see, in, in John 16, 8, Jesus says this, and when he, speaking of the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Because of the indwelling Holy Spirit in us, because we are healed, we are no longer desensitized to our sin, but rather the Holy Spirit indwelling with us convicts us of our sin. And by his kindness, we are led back to repentance. The second thing it does is this, it distorts what we were created to be. Jesus comes as an example for us. He comes to exemplify what true humanity was created to be, right? We have the first Adam who falls, but in the second Adam, that is Jesus, we have restoration and an example of who we were created to be. Guys, we weren't created to sin. That was never the plan. Sin was not in the original design. Sin is an infectious disease that entered into creation through Adam and has spread to all of us. And now, we are all infected by it. And it distorts what we were created to be. So we follow Jesus, not only as Savior, not only as healer, but as example. And we call that discipleship. The third thing that sin does is it isolates us from God. Because sin was never part of the design, when sin enters, we are now in broken relationship. Take it back to the father and his son, right? Because of leprosy, a relationship is destroyed. It's separated. Our father is separated. We are separated from the Father. But listen to this. We, we studied this not too long ago in Colossians. Colossians 1 says this, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has, he being Jesus, has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you, me and you, holy and blameless and above reproach. I'm going to roll on to the next one. I'm going to sum up these next two in a second. The fourth thing it is, is it steals our identity. Jesus changes our identity. Romans 8 says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. You know what Abba means? Daddy. So what I see here is that because of Christ, I'm no longer isolated from God. I'm now brought forth holy and blameless and above reproach, but I am also no longer the leper. 
That's not who I am anymore. Guys, this is my story. My story is, I am a sinner. I have been labeled not just a sinner. And we all have our labels, right? Liar. Cheater. Gossiper. Manipulator. Our sin labels us lepers. But that is not who we are anymore. I, I can neither deny who I was any more than I can deny who I am in Christ. Does that make sense? Does that make sense to us? Do we really believe that? I love the ability to stand up here before you tonight, not deserving to stand here. Guys, I am so unworthy on so many levels to be standing here tonight because of the labels of my sin. And yet I stand here confidently, not in my own works, but in who Christ has called me to be. Because of who I am in Christ, I'm a son. And nobody can take that away. Nobody. I call God dad. I love praying that. If you're around me for any point of time, you'll probably hear me call, say that in a prayer. Instead of starting out father or God, sometimes it's just dad. Because that's who I am. I am a son. And he is my dad. And it is that intimate. But tonight, I feel like we need to get our story straight. So I have this question. I have two questions for you. Where are you at in this story? In the story that God has given you, where are you? Because I believe that we're one of three people. The first is you've just never been healed. You've never experienced the healing that Christ brings. You've never called him Lord. You've never believed in his authority. You've never believed in his power. And the sad fate is you are simply a, a leper. You have the leprous disease of sin and it is still upon you. My friends, my heart breaks. My heart breaks for that, for you. So maybe that's not you. The second category is those who are healed but pretend that they were never lepers. I want to be transparent with you. I was this guy yesterday. Yesterday, when, when I thought about coming up here and preaching, what I wanted to do is... I felt so unworthy because of my past. What I wanted to do was just pretend that it never happened, just put it off in the side and go, nope, nope, not me. That guy is not me. And when I do that, that's dangerous because if that's not me, then who am I now? If that's not me as a sinner and as a leper, 
then the grace of God has done nothing in my life and I pretend that I've done it on my own. There's a reason that in Colossians, he reminds you that you were once alienated and hostile in mind and doing evil deeds. Because if we don't admit that, if we don't see that and bring that to the table everywhere we go, then what we're doing is we're diminishing what God has done in our life. And it just depends on the day. Yesterday, that was me. The third type of person is those who have been healed but have forgotten that you're no longer a leper. You're living as if you're still bound by this sin that once enslaved you but no longer. Guys, I, I bounce between these two people every day because it's hard. It's hard to imagine that when I fail, I'm still not a leper, that I'm still a son, that I'm still a child of God who's been redeemed by the blood of Christ. Maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you just need to be reminded you are healed. So walk in light of it. Walk in light of the healing that you already have been given. The second question I have for you tonight is what will you do with the story that God has given you? Everything up to now is your backstory. But now you have a choice. You have been healed. What will you do with your story? You see, the call to the leper was very clear. Go back to the one who declared you unclean. Show yourself clean. Not as evidence of, look how good I am. Not as evidence of, look what I've done. But as proof of what Christ has done in me. And at times in spite of me. How do you tell your story? Of what God is doing and what he has done in your life. Do you pretend that it's on you? Do you pretend that you were never a leper? Do you forget that you're no longer a leper? And when you tell your story, is it about you or is it about him? Because it needs to be about him. It's his story. And you get to play a wonderful role as witness to the miraculous healing in your life. Tonight, we get an opportunity to remember we remember what Christ has done in us. We come to the table, all of us sinners, all of us lepers, none of us worthy. But we have community because of who Christ is and what he's done for us. So we stand together, united in Christ as the body of Christ, remember and my friends to celebrate we are no longer lepers 
we are healed from this disease of sin, let us tell our story well. Let us tell his story. Let me pray with you. Father God, we come to you tonight so thankful, so unworthy of who you are, of what you've done in our lives. So Father, we lift our hands and we celebrate and we remember that we are no longer sinners. We are no longer lepers. But God, we are redeemed children. I'm so thankful, God, for what you've done in my life. Father, you get the glory. You get the praise. You get the honor because you've done it, God. And because of that, we come together as one body, your body in Christ, and we proclaim you are good, you are holy, and you are worthy of our praise. And because of Christ, we are free. Thank you, Dad. Thank you so much. Amen. Would you guys just stand with us and we're going to have a time of communion. Our communion is open, so even if you are a member of another body, if you are healed, if you are a believer in the authority, in the person, and the power of Jesus Christ, we invite you guys to come take communion and respond when you're ready.